Well, good morning, Dynamite Church. I hope everyone is doing well. If we haven't met, I want to introduce myself. My name is Wesley Odom. I'm the lead pastor here at Dynamic, and it's a joy to be able to stand here today and deliver God's Word. Um, if we haven't met, I'd love to get to meet you after the service today. Also, if you're watching online, I want to say hello and welcome you as well, and I want you to know that we are honored to have you uh, join us in on this Word today, and uh, also know we'd love for you to join us at uh, 1030 here at the Hamilton YMCA on a Sunday. Uh, today we are finishing out our current series, Hosea, which is from broken to brand new. We've been walking through this story. And I'll take just a minute to set it up here in just one second of, of what's going on in this story and where we're picking up today. But um, man, I just I just want to take a second and, and brag on God and what we get to be a part of. Um, this this morning, even just walking in, I, I actually heard of of a couple of different stories of, of people that the guy's been working on doing some things in their life and, and even just midweek this this week this past week that decided you know what listen I, I think I just need to follow Jesus and so um, I just want to brag on God for a second and if you'll just help me celebrate that by putting your hands together for what God is doing here Listen, I, I am really, really grateful to be a part of a church that isn't just confined by walls on a Sunday morning, but that God is active, that he's moving in your lives, and that you guys are seriously responding to the things that he's challenging you to do. And so, like I said, this past week, for many of them, was challenged to follow Jesus for the first time. And then others of you, I'm hearing stories about how you're sharing your experiences with others of what God is lighting up in your life. So I'm really proud of what God's doing here, and I'm proud to be your pastor. And uh, speaking of that, I want to I talk today about a really, really difficult subject matter that, that many of us, I would, I would venture to say, that we struggle with to some degree in our lives, and, and that's the, the subject of, of unforgiveness when it comes to forgiving others or forgiving ourselves or even accepting God's forgiveness. This is an interesting story in the book of Hosea, which on the surface sounds like a great thing. It's a, it's a story of a man who God calls to be in a relationship with a lady who honestly is far from God, and, and, uh, and she turns his back on him, and, and God calls Hosea to go back to this lady named Gomer. And on the surface, man, we, we love that. I'm going, oh man, redemption, grace, forgiveness, that's a great thing. But I believe what we're going to find today at the heart of this story is some pain, some brokenness, and some tension. Every time God make something brand new happen in our life. There's always broken areas that we have to go through. There are always broken things that we encounter that we have to, to work our way through and trust Him in the middle of it. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the fact that unforgiveness is probably a huge barrier in our lives. And here's what I know about this church and I've become to appreciate about this church is that you guys here aren't typically just a group of people that are content with the status quo. And what I mean by that is, is I grew up in a church context where people like would go to church every single Sunday and feel really good about that. And that was, that was honestly the level of, of spiritual growth or faith growth and their journey with Christ that they really cared to go. And here's what I've come to learn about Dynamic Church and you guys that comprise this, this body and this fellowship and this family is that that for the most part, like, you're not satisfied with just remaining where you're at in your faith. And you're willing to take on the hard stuff. And, and you're willing to get a little bit uncomfortable. And there's something inside of most of you that says, listen, there's just, there's more. Well, today I just, I want to give you a heads up that that, that more involves going into some hurtful, some painful 
areas. It, it, it causes us to wrestle with things that, that honestly only God can accomplish. Because here's what I know, and I know this to be true about my life, and I would venture to say to be true about your life when it comes to forgiving others and forgiving those who have caused deep pain, for those that have caused deep wounds, is there's, there's something inside of me and there's something inside of you that, that we're just resolved with the fact that, that God, I, I, I just, I can't. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't get there. I can't go there. And what we're going to find today is that the thing that you and I can't do, God can and I just want to start off today when we're getting ready to handle this difficult subject matter and just remind you that the things that you can't do, God can. And there's going to be something inside of many of you today that when we're talking through this going, yeah, but, but, but he did this or, or she did that. But God can. God can. So I want to take a second and really pray for this message and you and that we would just trust God to do what only he can do. So would you just join me in prayer really fast? Father God, today we're going to approach your word, and today we're going to dig into it. We're going to hear this story that we celebrate, God, and we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now. But God, there is some pain, there's some brokenness, there's some tension in the middle of all of this. God, on the surface, we celebrate your forgiveness, and we celebrate that in our life, and we celebrate the freedom that comes along with that. But Lord, I pray for abundant life to happen today. The God, that we can be a people, we can be in church, we can be individuals that walk out of here today. They can live in the peace that you've died for. That we live by the joy that you've called us to. And we can experience the abundant life that you've freely given. So we love you. And so in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've got a copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to open to the book of Hosea. We've been going through this story, and specifically we're going to hang out in Hosea chapter 3 and read something that we've read for the past two weeks. And then we're also going to turn to Hosea 14 and read that chapter. It's the final portion of this, of this letter. And um, it's really interesting. Let me, let me go back and, and build a little bit of the scenario. Maybe you've missed the past couple of weeks, or maybe you just need a, a reminder. Hosea is a man called by God. He is actually a prophet, and he's actually called to the northern region and to, to approach the Israelites and let them know, hey, heads up, God is, God is pretty displeased with you. As a matter of fact, you guys have, have sold out, you've turned your backs on God, and he doesn't really want anything to do with you. As a matter of fact, he's pretty frustrated with this. And God is getting ready just to call for what it is. And listen, God doesn't want this, but it's obviously that you made your decisions, and he's just going to kind of let you go. I mean, what, what a horrible assignment, Right? To, to go to a whole lot of people going, yeah, destruction's going to happen. I mean, you, you made your own decisions, and God's not pleased with that, and so you made your bed, you're going to lie in it. Like, that is essentially his job and his role. But then God does things sometimes that are a little bit, I don't know, the best way to say it is unique, <laughs> right? I mean, you ever notice that, that our expectations of God just really don't neatly fit into a box? Like, who he is and his character just doesn't fit into a box a lot of times. And, and, and this guy named Hosea experienced that. As a matter of fact, in chapter 1, God looks at Hosea and says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go, and you're going to preach this message, and you're going to let them know. But along the way, you are going to, um, 
you're going to need to marry this lady. And, and, and probably Hosea and his singlets going, oh, this is awesome. This thing I've been praying for. There's this cute girl at the Bible study. I've been having, I've had my eye on her, and this is the moment. He's going to go, no, 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 wait, hold on. See, there's this lady. Um, her name's Gomer. And uh, by the way, she, she's like, occupationally, she's a prostitute. And, and you're going to need to marry her and stay faithful to her. And I just imagine somewhere in the middle of this, Hosea's going, wait, hold on. I, God, are, are you sure about that? Are you, are you sure that's what you really have for me? I mean, I, I've tried to live my life the right way and do the right thing. And God, I'm going to step into this challenge of going to talk to this group of people in this nation and, and, and share your word. But I don't, I don't really know about the whole marrying an unfaithful lady kind of a thing. That's not, that's not really how I drew out my life plan. Anybody ever kind of write out your life plan before and go, hey, okay, in five years I'm going to be here and this is how it's going to look and it's going to be perfect. Like, this is not lining up with how Hosea probably predicted it to go. And so he steps into this marriage and this relationship with this lady named Gomer, which makes it even worse because her name is just awful, right? And, and so they're in this relationship and, and, and they have a kid and, and everything's great, but Next thing you know, Gomer, well, she's just Gomer. She goes back to doing Gomer things. And she's unfaithful, not once, twice, but we see this over and over. It becomes who she is, and she's gone. And here's Hosea sitting in the middle of all this going, I just imagine, God, I, I did the thing that you said to do. I married the, by your words, promiscuous woman. And this is... This is how it turns out. I mean, again, God, God does some, some unique things sometimes, right? Could you imagine being Hosea in this scenario? I mean, if, if we're being honest, if I'm being honest with you here, like, I've got major, major questions directed God's way. Because isn't it sort of supposed to play out like when, when God calls you something, it's supposed to be neatly packaged and, and everything go well? That's, that's not his story. As a matter of fact, in Hosea 3, starting in verse 1, it, it reads this because God calls him back to this scenario. He says this, The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and they love the sacred raisin cakes, so I brought her. So I bought her for uh, fifteen shekels of silver, and about a homer, and a lethic of barley. And then I told her, and listen to this: You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way towards you. Can you imagine being Hosea in this moment? I mean, let, let's just play this thing out. If you're Hosea, and you commit this to God, and you do the thing that God's told you to, and yet Gomer goes off and does her thing, there, there's probably some part of you that says, I'm done. I, I am finished. I'm wiping my hands clean of the situation. I'm moving on. I don't want to see that lady again. I don't want to speak to her again. And I don't want to hear anyone mention her name around me again. Like, that's probably the thing that's going through his mind. Can we all agree on that? And then God shows up and says, hey, by the way, I've, I've got another idea. 
How about you go find Gomer? By the way, she's on the auction block over there. And you go extend your love to her again. God is calling Hosea to something that's very, very vulnerable, right? Let's let's just play this out in in our lives. When the past happens, we we typically don't like going back to the past, right? When, When... When somebody burns us, we don't really go back to that person who burned us. We avoid them at all costs. And God's going, no, no, no. Hey, listen, here's what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to be really, really vulnerable. And we just take a step back her direction. Man, could you imagine the, the, God, I, I can't do that, thoughts that were flowing through his mind. And God gives him this, this game plan of what this looks like, he's going, listen, I I know this is painful. (laughs) I love the fact that God acknowledges this because in verse 2 he says, I want you you to love her the same way that I love the Israelites. So God's saying, listen, I am deeply familiar with people saying, I love you and I'm for you. God, I want to be with you. God, I commit my life to you. And they go on doing their own thing God's going to listen, you and I, we're on the same page here. But are you willing to get uncomfortable? So that's probably a little bit of the perspective of Hosea. Now I want to talk about the perspective of Gomer for a second. Could, could you imagine being Gomer on the auction block and you are about to, to go to the highest bidder And you're not going to the one who loves you the most. You're going to the one who paid the most for you. Could you imagine being her in that moment and the past that's replaying through her mind going, how did I get here? Like, I I had everything. I wasn't property of a a man who paid the most for me. I was actually a part of a relationship with a man who, who loved me. How did I end up here? See, again, we, we love the, the thought of forgiveness. But when it comes to forgiveness, it, it means that we have to deal with some baggage in our own lives. And I love this story because it deeply represents the gospel And it deeply represents this this tension that you and I have to go through in order to truly follow Jesus. Let me try my best to explain what's going on here in in like our terms, okay? So um, I'm, I'm really cheap. I don't like losing out on money. I don't like wasting money. I don't like spending money. As a matter of fact, I'm so cheap, I haven't... I haven't had a soda, sweet tea, anything like that since 2007, right? Like, all I drink is water because I refuse to pay for, like, a soft drink. That's just kind of how I am. And so, um, and I have this fear that my kids are going to grab my phone or my tablet, and they're going to open up apps and games, and they're just going to purchase a whole bunch of things. I don't know why I fear that, but I deeply do. So, my kids are deeply deprived because every time they touch Dad's phone, they go, whoa, 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 hold on. Don't you touch my phone. Because I don't trust them to do a little thing with called, you know, in-game apps, right? With Pokemon Go, with Clash of the Clans, or whatever the, all the other games are. 
there's, there's these in-game apps that they have the freedom to purchase, but here's what I know is their dad. They can make all the decisions to purchase these in-game apps all they want to, but my boys don't have the ability to make the payments. We were at Chili's last week celebrating my youngest son's birthday. He wanted to go to Chili's, and they've got the things on the tables there that just make me go crazy as a parent going, please don't do that to my kids. Now you put me in an awkward situation to tell my kids no. And so like, my kids are like pressing on the tablets all over the place. Go, whoa, whoa, hold on. But Dad, no, 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 don't. But Dad, me, you, you can't pay for this. Like Dad is the one that's paying for this. I heard a story this past week of a kid who racked up over $3,000 in in-game purchases. I'm going, oh man, that would be a bad day, right? Because the kid doesn't have the ability to pay for this. In this moment is exactly where Gomer is at. She, she's made a lot of in-app purchases along the way. But she doesn't have the ability to do anything about it. She's vulnerable. She's literally on the auction block. Getting ready to go to the highest bidder. And Hosea steps in, whose name means salvation. And many scholars believe that Hosea literally paid everything he had to purchase her back. He literally gave everything he had to get Gomer back. Could you imagine being Gomer and how humbling of a situation this is? I'm going, listen, I, I don't deserve this. I, I, I ran up a huge bill. Like, I don't deserve this at all. And here's what I know. Sometimes it's hard to be Gomer and accept the payment and forgiveness, right? Sometimes in our lives, like it's, it's, it's really hard to overcome guilt, shame, and regret. When you're standing on the block and you're going, man, I, I deeply am shameful of, of my past and I feel guilty, and there's a part of many of us that says, I can't do it. Because I know me and I'll just go right back to where I was at. And then there's another layer that many of us rest with saying, you know what, I don't, I don't deserve this. And there's somebody here today that you can't live in the freedom of forgiveness it's because you can't get to the point where you forgive yourself. I want to encourage you to, to jot this down. The first point I want to look at is accepting forgiveness must be a, a decision, not just a feeling. Accepting forgiveness must be a decision, not just a feeling. Joe, if you could do me a favor and put verse 3 back. I want to bring up something that, that just came to my mind here as we're reading through this. Verse 3 states this, Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. You know what he's saying? Hey, listen, forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is moving past your past. And it's something that you have to accept, and it's not just a feeling. 
There's going to be sometimes in my life and your life that I'm not going to feel like accepting forgiveness. Why? Because we've done too much in order to be forgiven. I'll give you a practical story of this right here in our church. There's a man who belongs to this church as a part of our family, and I've spent many, many, many hours with over the past few months. And one of the conversations that served as a catalyst to this relationship had to do with his inability to accept fully God's forgiveness. You ever been in that place in your life before? Where you start picking and choosing the things that you feel like God would forgive and the things that he wouldn't? And I'll never forget standing in a Starbucks parking lot with him just weeping going, but you don't understand, there are some things in my life that God just can't forgive. Like I can't let these things go. And I want to, but I can't. I said, man, you, what, what's happening? What's going on? He said, man, I made a decision not just one time, but two times. And I knew better. So what, 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 what happened, man? You tell, tell me what's going on. Years ago, I got this lady pregnant. And I got scared. She got scared. And I wasn't ready. She wasn't ready. And we made this decision to move for an abortion. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't regret that and that I don't feel guilty. He said, but you know what makes it worse? What's that? Tell me. He said, it happened again with another lady. And how can God forgive me when I made the decision to take this life? How can God forgive something like that? See, again, we, we like the thought of forgiveness, right? But when you truly accept God's forgiveness, that means you've got to allow God to reach to the bottom of the barrel too. Accepting God's forgiveness isn't, okay, God, I, I acknowledge that, that you can handle this, but I don't really know about this area. Let, let, me, let me push in just a little bit further here for just a moment. He, here's what Colossians 2, love this, has to say about the depth of what God did on our behalf. This is verse 13. It says, When you were dead in your sins and uncircumcised of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Don't miss that. I'll say it again. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away. He nailed it to a cross. So I, I just need to press into the depths of, of this because I'm telling you, I know there's somebody here that's struggling with living in the freedom of God's forgiveness. The Word of God acknowledges that there was a moment in my life and there's a moment in your life that we are absolutely flatlined. There is no more heartbeat spiritually. We are flatlined. We are dead. And in that moment, there is nothing you can do for yourself. Nothing. Like you've racked up a lot of in-app purchases. Nothing. You can't pay the bill. 
gospel tells us that he took all of it. I love this story with Hosea. And I love the fact that, that many people acknowledge that, that Hosea, which gave me salvation, gave up everything to give her back, to get her back. Can, can I just lean just a little bit further this morning for those of you that, that struggle with accepting God's forgiveness, that are identified and maybe feel like you're covered by shame, guilt, and regret. Jesus paid the highest price possible for you. You've heard that before, but let this sink in. That if Jesus didn't find you worthy of paying such a high price, He wouldn't have. If Jesus didn't find it worthy to reach the bottom of the barrel in your life, He wouldn't have. Like, Jesus gave everything for all of it. And it comes down to this. Either you're going to make a decision to accept it, or you're not. Do you see how Hosea puts this tension right in Gomer's lap of going, okay, listen, I'm going to make this purchase, but you've got to commit to moving past your past. Gomer, we're, we're not going to dwell on the past anymore. We're, we're moving forward, and I love this because he, she wasn't just moving forward alone. He's going, no, I'm going to commit to you. I'm not, just, I'm not just making this purchase going, hey, now go have a nice life. I'm out of here. But I'm making this purchase that I am going to walk with you. I deeply believe this. Maybe you're watching online right now, and God is calling you to move past your past, and it starts with accepting. You have to accept that he paid every ounce of it. Done, finished, gone. Accepting forgiveness must be a decision, not just a feeling. And there's somebody, I'm telling you, you're waiting to feel ready to accept forgiveness. And you'll never get to that point. And then I love what it says at the end of Hosea, and I want to read chapter 14, when it states this. And this is his call back to Israel. He says this, Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. In other words, hey, listen, we all know what's happened here. We all know that you've turned your back. We all know that you have a past. That has been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. So again, he's calling them to move past their past. Return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the, the fruit of our lips Assyria cannot save us, so this nation was looking to other powers to, to save them. He's, and he's going to just acknowledge that they can't help us. And we, will not, uh, and we will not mount war horses. We will never again say our guides to what our hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. And I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. Verse 5, I will be like dew to Israel. And he will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down, uh, send down his roots, and his young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree, his fragrance like cedar of Lebanon. In other words, they're saying, listen, when you move past your past and return back to God, 
then you experience freedom. Then you experience life. Verse 7, people will dwell again in His shade. They will flourish like the grain, and they will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what, what more have I to do with idols? And I will answer him and care for him. And I'm like a flourishing juniper. Your, fruit, uh, your fruitfulness comes from me. And this is where I'm going to rest here for just a moment. Verse 9. Who is wise? Let them realize that, uh, these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. If you're taking notes today, I want to encourage you to write this down. Circle this in your Bible. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. So here's, here's what he's saying here. Move past your past. He closed this whole thing, this whole conversation with, listen, we, we know where you've been, but we just return to God and acknowledge Him, God, I, I desperately need you. God, I, I need life. I need restoration. God, I am broken, and I'm asking you to do something brand new. And verse 9 says, listen, is, is there anybody around here that's wise? Because listen, if, if you're wise, if you're discerning, you understand that the ways of the Lord are right. In other words, you can't go back to your past. Accepting is a decision, it's a commitment to moving past your past. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. Right actions are always greater than, right, than, than the right thoughts. I'll say that again. Right actions are always greater than the right thoughts. When it comes to God's forgiveness, making a move on the thing that God's called you to, it matters. See, there's some of us that can't live in freedom of forgiveness because in our mind we're going, hey, listen, when I, when I improve on where I'm at now, when, when, I'm, when I'm just a little bit better Christian, right? When just a better step towards God, when, when things look better in my life, then I'll make these decisions. And God's words go, no, no, no. Make your move today. But I want to go back to Hosea for just a second and talk about the right ways of the Lord. Do you know what that meant for Hosea to live in the right ways of the Lord? It meant extending forgiveness. See, the thing about this whole forgiveness conversation is it, is it doesn't revolve just around accepting forgiveness, but it also is a call to extend forgiveness. See, the ways of the Lord aren't easy. The ways of the Lord are right. Sometimes the ways of the Lord are, are hard. And Hosea in, chap, in, in chapter 3 is facing this hard decision of, God, you've called me to this. God, you've called me to extend forgiveness. What am I going to do? We extended forgiveness and grace. He gave everything he had. The truth of it is, is you and I will never get around to extending grace if we're waiting on the moment to come when we feel like it. I'll just be honest with you. 
Every time I feel like God has called me to extend forgiveness, I've never felt like it. I've never been in that place going, you know, I'm pretty fired up about forgiving them today. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready just to go have that conversation, let them know that this brokenness has occurred. Like, here's where I'm at. I'm ready to restore this thing. I am never ready for that. You'll never be ready to extend forgiveness. But I want to encourage you, the Word of God says that the ways of the Lord are right. But Pastor, yeah, I, I get it. That sounds great, but I just can't. I want to go back to what we started with, the things that we can't do, God can. The ways of the Lord are right. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. Extending forgiveness must be a decision, not just a feeling. So it's the same as accepting forgiveness must be a decision, not just a feeling. Extending forgiveness must be a decision and not just a feeling. Let's go back to Hosea chapter 3 and check this out. We'll read this again. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethuk of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way. Leave verse 3 up there. So here's Hosea. In this moment where God called him probably the most difficult thing that he had to do, and the Lord said, go love her again. Go, go love her the same way you did before. Like, move past your past. Move past her past. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. Forgiving, forgiven people, forgive people. Forgiven people, forgive people. In other words, the thing that God has put inside of me he also wants to work out of me as well. If I can't extend forgiveness, there's probably some level in my life that I haven't fully accepted forgiveness. See, the root of unforgiveness is unbelief in the gospel. So with that person... That you're just going, Pastor, but I, I can't. I can't. I can't. What that's saying is, hey, listen, I can't. But God, I deserve what He did. I deserve what He did on my behalf. I deserve the price that He paid. This is interesting. Jesus in a really tense moment, given his life on a cross, had this to say in Luke 23, verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided up his clothes and they, by casting lots, they, they took his clothes and cast lots and they sold them off. In this moment where Jesus was pouring out everything, he, 
He had his thoughts fixed on forgiveness. And do you, do you capture what he just said there? Like, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. What if that person who's presenting brokenness, pain, hurt in your life, what, what if the perspective shifted and was like, you know what? I don't think they understand the extent of what they're doing. Have you ever considered the fact that broken people make broken decisions? And we try to hold people to a healthier standard. Like what if we understood forgiveness and grace that way? That the people who've caused pain in our lives, well they just, they don't get it. That they're, they're broken too. And God has to accomplish something and do a work in their lives. I want to close with this. I would guess every single person listening right now has had to encounter this to some level and some degree. Whether it's with family, whether you've been abused, whatever that looks like. Every single one of us has had to deal with the pain of forgiving. And every single one of us have had to live in circumstances. And my guess is there's many of us still carrying those around. And we carry these things around, these circumstances. It, it's, it's like taking gasoline and just dumping it all over yourself. And you're just absolutely covered in it. Well, that doesn't go well when you have a flame, right? And the flame is a lot like unforgiveness in our lives. And there's times in our lives where we think we're going to get them back. I'm going to show them. And many of us are carrying this around and we're absolutely drenched. We're absolutely drenched and covered in the gasoline, in the circumstances, in the unforgiveness. And we've got the match. And there's a part of us that says, you know what? I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not. I'm not going to hold that power over them because they took something from me. Or we try to get them back. And we strike the match. And we strike this match because why? Because somewhere inside of us, we think that we're paying them back. But what's it do? It actually severely damages us. Would you acknowledge something with me for just a second? Who's the one that's carrying the pain right now? Who's the one that's living in brokenness now? See, the beauty about forgiveness is it actually does a work in you. See, many of us are withholding forgiveness because we think that we're getting them back. We're showing them, God, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I don't care what you say. Do you understand what they did to me? And we still just live in brokenness. And it's a cycle 
over and over in our life, broken, brokenness and brokenness. I believe that God's called some of us here today to put down the matches and extend grace and to extend forgiveness. You have to understand that accepting forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. So for that person here today who's going, listen, when it comes to forgiveness, like I just don't feel like I can accept fully God's forgiveness. You'll never feel like you can. You'll never get to that point. You just have to accept it. And for that person that's waiting around to feel like extending forgiveness, you'll never get there either. It's a decision. 